Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass, a special 2 o'clock edition for Super Bowl Sunday. You're, I'm with uh, Lee out in Paducah. How are you doing tonight, Lee? Hi, Benny. Doing great. It's a beautiful day in Kentucky, and uh, I know people probably have a little bit of a hangover after yesterday, but it is Super Bowl Sunday, so it's time to change direction and, and then look forward to what Kentucky has on the table coming up this week. Yeah, it was, it was a rough uh, a rough game yesterday. I didn't like the way it went. I didn't like how some of the guys played. I didn't like the officiating. There wasn't much I liked about yesterday, to be quite honest with you, but it is what it is. We'll get back to business here. we got to toughen up just a little bit. And, you know, I heard that from a lot of different people. But it, also, it's hard to be tough when they won't let you be tough. And uh, they kind of just took us out of that game. But I'm, I'm with p.m. on Tuesday with Mississippi State, who also has some some bruisers. And, you know, Nick's going to uh, show up for the games. He's had problems with some of the big bruiser type guys. He's got a foul trouble. He's got a lot going to his head. You know how that comes. And he's got to play, you know. He's just got to play. Getting some effort than than playing kind of. I mean, and I won't say soft, but playing kind of trying to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, it's difficult for players to adjust in a game. They can make certain adjustments, but when you're being called for fouls. And nobody knows it better than the players. But when you're being called for fouls and and the other team is doing the same thing and they're getting away with it, it it's very frustrating. And it changes your mindset as a player to the point of what do you do? You know, you feel helpless out there. and But you, you still have to fight. But it does change the game. And, and, when you know, and I don't think the kids necessarily – gave up their fight, I think they just felt that the odds were insurmountable. And, you know, you kind of play yourself into a position where you're trying to prevent fouling. And, and you know, you know, if you're going to get called for any little thing, then you're really hesitant and then you're not aggressive. And it, it just changes the game. I mean, absolutely. Uh, yesterday, unbelievable. And I even noticed Roger Harden posted on there, it was one of the worst officiated games he had ever seen. And to me, it was. I, I just it, it's frustrating to watch as a Kentucky fan and see that go on. And you know, yet here we are today, and there's not a thing said about it. The SEC does nothing. They they keep letting these referees get away with that. And Joe Lindsay's not one of our friends, folks. He's one of the ones that you know I've never seen him call a good Kentucky game. Uh, usually, he's with Shouse, that group. You know, we already know about him and. and Higgins and the list goes on and on, but there are just certain referees that Kentucky never fares well when they officiate the game. I don't know if we've lost Mike, but we may have. 
so I'll carry on it by myself right now. I think we've lost Mike, and Benny's out. And so anyway, Big Blue Nation, what are your thoughts on the game yesterday? Feel free to give us a call. Uh, we're open and we're here until an uh, hour and a half today. We're doing a special show at two o'clock, so we're going till three thirty. But it, it was a tough game yesterday. I think Calipari alluded to, you know, a lot of not fighting in the, the rebounding issues and uh, offensive rebounds uh, being outdone. And, and you know, we were killed on the boards yesterday, but a lot of that had to do with the foul situation. I think that we've got to look forward to the next game, and you know, Tennessee's going to be a battle too, and we, we've got to get ready. Uh, Mississippi State's going to be a tough game, so we've got still got a tough road ahead of us as Kentucky fans, and, and the players are going to get ready. I think another thing that hurt Kentucky yesterday was Ashton Hagen's in foul trouble. Ashton in foul trouble last couple of games, and his play has not been up to his level. And there's got to be a reason for it. And, you know, if you think back, we had some things like that happen in the past where guards tended to drift away from their game. And Hagen's had this happen last year. So I don't know if it's fatigue, uh, the season just getting to him, the wear and tear of the SEC. But he had a little bit of this happen last year. I think Kentucky responded pretty well. But we didn't have a lot of contribution off the bench again. Our big guys didn't play a great game. So there, there are a lot of things out there that we need to rectify and get fixed.
we all had a bad day, me included. We all had a bad day. Um, because there's not one guy in our room that I would say played well. But Gibbs, Auburn, the credit, they were more physical. Um, they created more fouls than us, obviously. Um, and, and the crazy thing is we had our chance, 62-60, with the ball. We're, we're okay. Let's go. And uh, we can't. We, we don't do what we need to. Now, what do you, what do you think? It is what it is. They got to come. I've done it. I played five guys when I was at UMass. I played five. You know what those guys figured out? They better come every game. Can't afford not to. Baskin again struggled with turnovers. What? Struggled. All right, him. How much of a handicap is that for you? Know, he, he, it's hard because Tyrese is not ready to run a team yet. Possessions matter. They really do. And when you're not in that mindset, you're just playing and exchanging baskets. It's, it's, you have a lead and all of a sudden you're on the road and you're controlling the game. And you just give them that and what's the problem? I mean, what? But he's learning. And we need, we need guys to play well. I mean, we 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 got a game coming up now. Mississippi State, they're beating everybody by 20. And you know what they are? That's the biggest physical. So, I mean, they push us around like we got pushed around today. It's going to be a hard one for us. They got another guy that, in Reggie Perry that can obviously give Nick problems. How much, how do you, he's been so good about keeping that confidence level up after a game like today. How do you deal There's with nothing him? nothing that I can do. It's him. Now, what, why did you why did you not jump for balls? Why did you not hit first? Why did you get out work to everything? Tell us why, and whatever your answer is, fix it, because that's what happened. He wanted it worse than you wanted. What? Why? What was your mindset? Were you thinking wrong? Were you, do you have an arrogance to you? I don't know. Whatever it is, you got to change it. Ask him why did you play that way. If you want to say it was their team and I got out worked, okay, that could be the answer. But this was a good win for Auburn. Um, they had been struggling um, and had some teams had them where we had them, but they never let them off the hook. And we just have guys that don't know how to put We We get 10-point leads, the guys that are following us. We've had 10-point leads multiple times this year when we just gave it up like and, and did it quickly. Within a minute, all of a sudden, it's a two-point game. So we got stuff to learn and what kind of a team is what's going on when they give up three-point leads? I don't know because we got three-point guards on the floor, and I don't understand when you have three-point guards, how do you make bad decisions? And some of it's both ends. All right. Give all of them credit. Good win. Thanks, folks.
Hopefully you guys can hear me now. I'm trying to call in on the telephone because things aren't going quite the way they're supposed to go. Can you hear me now, Lee? I can hear you. Can you hear me? We're we're having all kinds of Yeah, I can hear you, man. I don't know. I just I just dialed up me on the phone and called my phone. I don't know what was going on with the computer. And man, I apologize for this mess. It is what it is, so take over here just well, for a second if you don't mind. Many it's it's live radio and and we're gonna have difficulties and, and I was talking after you know, you pay, played uh John Calipari's post game and I don't know if my audio was coming across or not, but but the uh you know, there's a lot of truth to what John Calipari is saying about yesterday and and what lies ahead with Mississippi State, and it, it's going to be another physical battle. And our inside presence yesterday definitely hurt us. I mean, we were able to make make the plays in the guard position. Maxine quickly both had good games, and you know, a key piece is Ashton Hagens, and you know, only 25 minutes on the floor, limited time again due to foul issues, and you know that just can't happen. But even when Ashton's on the floor, he's making some bad decisions. His turnover rate's gone up, and, you know, it's just, you know, what's going on? Is it that midseason fatigue, you know, that had happened to him last year? And it, that could be what we're seeing a little bit of. But hats off to Maxie and, and quickly. I mean, they, they really put it together and played a nice game. I think our defense is still, still pretty good. I, you know, Auburn made some good baskets, and other than the rebounding, you know, that was a big issue yesterday. Once again, I think that goes back to a lot on the officiating and causing Kentucky to play a little bit more timid. And, you know, that's it's oh. just one of those things. So how's this, uh, how's this sound? Because I'm hoping it's not feeding back through since I'm on the phone now. No, it sounds good. Okay, well, good. Let's see. This is completely went off the rails, and uh, we wouldn't have it any other way after a crappy game like that. But you know, uh, I was a little bit disappointed in the in the way we played. But like I said, I was more disappointed in the officiating. I thought it was awful. I think the SEC is the only place where we have this problem, and it's really starting to get old. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just really starting to get old. I mean. And Cal Perry, you know, he he can't say what he wants to say. I think somebody had to go to Sunday to pay his fine so he could just say what he wanted to say. I think I'm going to donate to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it, it's – yeah, I mean, of course he's got deep pockets. I mean, what's a fine? And I noticed uh, we had uh, a little lady on, on Twitter yesterday who's actually started a fundraiser for Coach Cal to help pay his fines and – so I thought that was kind of neat. We tried to get her on the show, but we didn't hear anything back from her. Of course, it's last minute, and it is Super Bowl Sunday. But, you know, what do you do? You, you feel like, you know, damned if I do, damned if I don't. And, and I think it does cause these guys to play timid. And, and what, where is the SEC? Where are the review officials on these referees, and, and why are they not being held accountable? That, that's the question I have. And, and no one can give me an answer. And the SEC is hush hush, and or they say they're doing a fine job. So I'm not seeing a fine job out there in the in the games that we're questioning at all. You know, I don't I don't understand. I've heard that about the fine job and the grades, and that, 
And I think the uh, hires that be were at the last game, and it was not a bad, bad call game in the one up. Uh, the Georgia game was it the Georgia game they were at? Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but but you know, no, and, and I tell you, you go outside, you go outside the SEC. And we went down to Texas A&M. And I thought that game was. I mean, there were some bad calls. There's bad calls in every game. But I thought that for the most part, they let them play, that the players decide the game. And that's that's what I'm saying. And I had some people get mad because I questioned uh, Nate Sestina online. And, I, and, I, and, you know, I mean, I hate to go there, but I understand that, that, that people love him. And, but I just hope it ain't the reasons that I think that they love him. And I, I don't have a thing against Nate, but if you can call out E.J. Montgomery for having a bad game, you can call out Nate Cena for having a bad game, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Nate Cena to me hasn't been, you know, to me he's been a liability the last three or four games. And nothing against Nate because there's nobody rooting harder for Nate Cena and all the boys on the team than, than me and Benny. But it it is what it is. The numbers don't lie. And, you know, even Nick had a rough game yesterday. Basically, not, nothing in the first half, everything again in the second half. And but once again, when you're saddled with fouls and 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 the referees seem to be hard on you with the whistle and letting the other team play and do whatever they want, it, it makes you timid because you know you want to be on the floor, but I can't do this, coach, because he's going to blow the whistle. So I'm the foul you, they called on EJ. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. And, and Ashton, like I say, he's played out of control a little bit, and that's hurt us. And yeah. I, I was, you know, I was singing his praises earlier, and I still think he's the best point guard in the country. I think he's had a bad three-game stretch here. And I think he's got to get it together and realize that he cannot do it alone. And you don't yeah. have to. And Nick's got to be aggressive, too, because I noticed one time that, that Ashton drove, he didn't really uh, go aggressive for the lob, and Ashton threw it up off the backboard. They didn't have a chance, but I think he was looking to lob to Nick, but Nick did. Nick was not himself, and I think a lot of that was due to officiating. I think a lot of that was due to everybody writing and saying on his podcast, like we say, you know, they say these guys don't listen, they don't pay attention, but they do. About we can't have Nick in foul trouble, and he was trying to stay out of foul trouble. I think. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or we talked about it before the show because everything's just sort of went off the rails here and I'm all kind of bobbled here. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just saying I think we I'd rather have a Nick in foul trouble playing aggressive than a Nick staying out of foul trouble and not doing anything. That's just my my thoughts on that. Well, and I, and I think as a coach, that's what you got to get through to the kids because you know what you. You got to go out there and burn it out. All right. So you foul out five fouls. You know what? We got to move. And, and you know, you're right. If you're playing out there timid, and, and so you've got three fouls, well, you're, you're keeping those in the bank. What good are they there? Because they don't do you any good whether you get them or not. And you don't. You really don't know how a referee's going to call the game. Because to me, I don't see consistency in these games. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. And a lot of the calls they're making are ridiculous. Some of the some of the ones they're missing are ridiculous. I mean, it, it's just it goes both ways, and I just don't see these crews improving. I don't. 
and I don't know what's happened there either. And but I think a lot of what happened to Nick, and, and one thing you you didn't mention, Benny, but uh, there was a whole lot of Austin Wiley there too, and I think that that was a big big issue for Nick yesterday. And Nick's going to have to get used to that. These are the kind of guys he's going to be playing, you know, this week coming up, and it's just going to be a physical test, and then we get Auburn again. So uh, Nick's. This is this was the test, and I if you remember early in the season, and of course I've been pro Nick Richards and talking about him being Player of the Year, SEC Player of the Year, and, and a lottery pick. And but the one I was had earmarked was this this game here against Auburn and Austin Wiley and what he did. And and Nick didn't score real good on this one. He would you know if I was going to grade Nick in this game, I would give him a C minus. So. You know, you've got to at least be an A or B in this game. And, uh, you know, Nick just didn't have it. Yeah, he, he didn't play very well. And, uh, and I don't even know if I'd give him a C in this one. I'm going to try to be mean. But I don't now think I'm I'd give the team a C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I get it. I get it. And I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be the nice guy all year. I try to be. But sometimes you just got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. these guys, I mean, oh, they're young, but they're young men. It's time to step up and be a man. And I understand yeah. the referees kind of took them out of that game. When, when Dan Dockett tweets that, you know, there's a problem because I'm not sure he's a Kentucky lover. I don't think he's a Kentucky hater. But, you know, I'm just saying, I just he's not one to call out referees ever. No. And, uh, well, he, we won Dock- he said they completely take them out of the game. Yeah, we won dockets over at the Big Blue Bahamas. When we, we played down in the Bahamas a couple of years ago, we won Dan Dockich over, and, and he, he loves Kentucky now. They took him in, and he he's a – you know, it, it's funny because his whole outlook on Kentucky totally changed, and he, he I think he feels like he's somewhat a part of Big Blue Nation now. Hey, that's great because – but you're right. I've never seen him – question anything like that and when I saw you post that retweet of what he said about the officiating I thought wow you know I'm glad somebody of his stature and knowledge of the game would actually go out there and say something like that so it just doesn't look like it's biased Kentucky fans big blue nation I mean people this was on ESPN this is a huge game and right here in front of everybody come on I mean you know Roger Hart even saw uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, I just don't know where the accountability let's, is. Let's pause for the calls here, real quick. All right. And folks, if hey, you want to call Baseball Coach University of Kentucky, you are listening to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny and Lee on Blog Talk Radio. And that's, I just wanted to play that because we've been trying to get that through for weeks. We appreciate Nick for <laughs> We've had so yeah. many technical issues, and and you know some of the technical issues might be my fault because I'm, I'm kind of a caveman when it comes to technology. I'll be honest with you. Uh, sometimes it, it gets a little rough on here, and I could, like I said, I could hear you earlier, Lee, and I was just texting you, just talk. I'm trying to figure something out here. <laughs> well, and you know it, it's funny because live radio, it, it's hard to do an audible and. Of course, Benny and I are, you know, are probably a good 500 miles apart, so it, it's tough. But <laughs> if, if, if you want, if you want to call in, call us in. Call in on a at five one six 
531-9474. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the Kentucky game yesterday. We'd also like to talk to you uh, if you have anything to say about the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're going to talk some Super Bowl here in a minute. I actually did some studying so we could talk Super Bowl. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, which I know football a little bit because I used to be a huge football fan. But I'll tell you what happened to me. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just getting back into it because years ago, I watched Kentucky every game and we got destroyed. And Mark Stoops has made it watchable again. But I'm also a Cowboys fan. And, and and I'm still waiting on somebody to make that watchable again because every time I watch them, I end up pissed off because I just think, you know, Jerry Jones, he's a good owner. But, man, he is a horrible general manager. He does not know how to put a team together. And he's always giving guys a chance. And, and that's what I'm saying. You're the Dallas Cowboys, which should be, I mean, in my opinion, which I don't know, I'm biased. Should be America's team, or they used to be America's team. They're America's laughing stock right now. And I'm just saying, you're going to give guys a chance uh, that that they're on the borderline of being out. I mean, no, don't do that. Yeah, get some guys in there that can play, and get a guy in there that knows how to run a team, and pay him to do that. You sit up in the stands and look pretty and cheer. Yeah. That's true. And, and you know, and I, I, this Super Bowl today, I mean, I don't have a team in there. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I always was a Minnesota Vikings fan, and that goes back to the days of Fran Tarkenton and the Purple People Eaters. So, you know, it's I follow New England a little closer now because I do like Tom Brady, and that mainly just due to his ties to Michigan. <laughs> playing you know what? I'm so, sorry. I finally I'm glad that we started talking some football here because you and me agree too much anyway. It's bad radio. I hate Tom Brady. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't have a good reason other than he's just too pretty and too successful, <laughs> and I just yeah. can't stand the guy. No, he is, and he, he's he's got a rocking wife. I mean, man, come on, you know, you, how can you not like the guy? But you know, I get it. Some people don't. Some <laughs> people think that that New England cheats. Uh, you, you can call it what you want, but you know, what we call that was scouting back in the day. I know, I know, the NFL has rules, and yeah, it, that what they did was wrong. I agree, they should pay the price. They're caught. I mean, the bad thing is they're they're, they're smart enough to do it, but they weren't smart enough to get, you know, not be caught. So, uh, whatever happens to them, they deserve it. I mean, it is what it is. But call what you want. I think Bill Belichick, yeah, just look at it like this. If Belichick was with the Cowboys, you guys probably have three or four more Super Bowls. (laughs) Oh, that's probably true, but I don't like Belichick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you the truth. Before we make everybody mad, Neither one of those are in the Super Bowl today. So let's talk. You know, the Chiefs, they probably got the most explosive offense in football. And the 49ers, they're probably the best at stopping explosive plays. So it's, something's got to give today. You know what I mean? It's something's, something's got to give. And, and, you know, Terry Brown's probably laughing at us right now because I'm sure he's experienced this kind of show. <laughs> and he's probably yeah. like, y'all going to actually talk about the Super Bowl or what? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Except, except tooting horns of our teams, we like, and 
I, I I don't know what to expect from this game today, and and I really don't have a dog in the fight. And you know, I I did. I, I never was a huge Forty ers fan, and I've never been a Kansas City Kansas City Chief fan. Uh, but you know, I've always admired both teams and both franchises. And you know, I I love Jerry Rice. I love Joe Montana. I, I thought. Uh, Thought he was a great quarterback and, and and did some great things there, and uh, Clark and and those guys, Ronnie Lott. So I know these guys, and and, and what a team they had for years, you know. And uh, Steve Young when he came in after Joe went, to, you know, Joe Montana was traded to Kansas City or went to Kansas City, but you know, for Kansas City not to be in a Super Bowl since 1969 is a long time. So. I'm going to say I'm probably pulling a little bit more for them, but I really don't have a dog in the fight. I just I want a good game, a good game, an exciting game, and, and you know, I just hope it's not a blowout. But I tell you, Mahomes shows me the capability of doing it, and I just think Kansas City's defense right now is coming in red hot, and, of course, San Francisco has a good defense too. So I, I hope it's just a good game, and, and that's all we can ask. Well, you know, I studied this quite a bit today because I wanted to actually try to have some good insight on this. And and I come up, and and somebody call in and correct me if I'm wrong, but I come up with two key matchups. And that would be uh, Eric Fisher against Bosa because Bosa is a disruptive force. And, uh, and I would say that it would be the 49ers defense against Tyreek Hill because uh, – they like to line up and do what they're good at, the 49ers do. And they're not going to make any special provisions for Tyreek Hill's speed, which I think could be a mistake. Because I think if he gets out there, you know, gets out there in space and, and with his speed against, against some of those defensive, you know, the defensive backs for the 49ers are known to be a little bit slow and, and maybe getting older. And and I think that could end up biting them in the butt and myself. But, you know, like I say, I used to be a big football guy, but I'm not so much anymore. But I still know a little bit about the game. And like I say, when you got the most explosive offense against the defense that's the best at stopping explosive plays, something's got to give. And it's gonna, I think it's going to be a fun Super Bowl. And uh, I'm actually thinking from what I've studied, and I hate to say this, Terry, if you're listening, <laughs> I think – the Chiefs are going to win the game. I think they're going to win like 46. Well, maybe not 46. Maybe maybe 42, 35. Yeah, that, that's a good score. That would be an exciting Super Bowl. Not for Terry. I mean, he hopes the other way around, and, and I don't blame him. And, but I, I think it's going to be – you know, I really think it's going to be a defensive battle. But, but at the same time, these offenses can put points on the board. So – I really don't know, and you're right. It's about matchups, Benny, and there's going to be some exciting ones today. You know what? What does uh? You know who can run the ball? Who can move the chains? And uh, I don't know. I think Kansas City. I think what we're going to see. I think we're going to see Mahomes, uh, like he did a game or two ago. I think we're going to see him use his legs a little bit more when he has to, and that's really. Hey, that's a good point. I was thinking that myself. The second reaction type plays where Mahomes gets out of the pocket, that's going to be the key for the Niners, how they handle that. 
Right. Because yeah, we've seen that with Russell Wilson in Seattle. Man, he could do it. You know, and it, it's really – he's a throwback to Fran Tarkin to me. A lot of broken plays, but what he can do with his with his speed and just – you know, I'll tell you what, and that kid, I, somebody I really admire. I, I really admire him a lot, and I think Mahomes has a lot of that skill set. But, man, what an arm for Mahomes. I mean, you know, this guy is just uh, – I think he's lights out. He's definitely – you know, one of the one of the brightest stars in, in the game right now, and and has a long future ahead of him. But on the flip side, you know, Garoppolo, you know, San Francisco, they're great. I mean, this team's this team's coming in red hot too. I mean, they their defense. It, I just I, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I really I think it's going to be a good Super Bowl. I really do, and I, I think it's neat that we've got two teams that really haven't been there in a little while and. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be a lot of red on the field, but uh, but I think it's going to be yeah. a fun game. One thing that all the all the Forty Niners fans better worry about, including this, our buddy Mister Terry Brown, is is Garoppolo has twenty three turnovers this year. I I, I I didn't realize that. I, I read that somewhere, and I don't know I don't know if that's correct, but I read that online because everything online you read is not correct, but. That seems like a lot of turnovers for a quarterback. Twenty-three is a lot of and that's was, a lot of turnovers. Yeah, and, and I think that could be key who wins the turnover battle. And also, Mahomes has got to be patient because San Francisco is going to play a lot of zone defense, cover three type defense, and he's got to take what the defense gives him and not try to beat them deep all the time. You know. I'll tell you one thing I'm glad of is that there's no media out there tracking our turnovers because all our blunders and, and technical difficulties, Benny, you and I'd be out of business. We'd be in the unemployment line. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm a little slow, and I'm like, I'm just like, he cannot hear me. What am I going to do? And I'm looking at the screen, I'm like, call. I was like, hell, this is to call me and see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just called myself from the show. And somehow you can hear me, which is great. I hope they can hear us, and I hope they understand we're going to have a little bit of – I don't know how long that lasted, maybe five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah, I we, don't know. We were just we – we were on the air, but nobody was talking. <laughs> well, how, how bad it gets, folks, is when, you, when you're talking and you you have empty empty airspace and there's no reply. So, you know, what what's good for Benny and I is we can kind of bounce off each other, and it, it helps. And when, it, when I had the – the mic by myself and we lost Benny, I was like, well, you know, I just, I keep talking. And of course I started talking. Well, the bad and thing you were was doing we, good. <laughs> but the, the thing is, you, you didn't know if anybody could hear you or not. And I could tell that in your voice. And I was like, just keep talking, just keep talking. And I think you hung yeah. up. And and yeah. I was like, dang. And I hadn't figured out yet to call myself. I was like, what am I going <laughs> to do? And then I got you back on and I called myself and it, and it seemed to work out. So hopefully, and I apologize, folks. We pay for this, and it's 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 annoying when it doesn't work like it's supposed to work. And I don't know if it's blog talk or my computer or my mic. I don't know. But I know one thing. I'll have a new mic next week, and I apologize to all of you guys. Well, and the other funny side of this was when, you know, you played the clip from John Calipari, and I think I went on a five-minute rant there, and, and I looked, and I had actually had my microphone on mute, so. <laughs> I definitely know that I wasn't heard. I mean, it's about some way this uh, my Samsung, you know, didn't work, but I'm sure it was just fine. So nobody heard anything. So we had some dead air space out there. But uh, it's, 
It is funny, and it's comical because things can happen like this all the time. And how many times have you, you know, uh, I, I can kind of relate this, and this is definitely off topic, but where you, you've worked on a document, maybe a resume or, or a school paper, and, and something happens, and, you know, you, you got a little glitch in the computer, and, and you lose it, and, it, and it's gone, and you think, oh, man, did I hit save? Well, you go back, and no, you didn't hit save. So it's one of those things that's just like, you know, what the heck, you know? And, and, and unfortunately, we can't do that. We can't go back and capture that time back. But but it is it's just funny, and, and technology can drive you crazy, just like our Kentucky Wildcats at times. And but uh, you know, there's a fix for it all. And you know, but trying to tie it back to Kentucky, and because and I don't want to lose that either. But you know, I don't want people to be discouraged. I know a lot of people are, but I still see a bright place for this team. You know, come March. And, uh, you know, and I alluded to, I don't think it's a great team. I think we're a really good team this year, but I just don't think we have that greatness this year. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that fit next year. We're still going to be young, but, you know, and a lot of that's going to tie into who comes back and who who's, who goes, you know. And Well, uh, you know, so I hate to agree with you on this, but I'm going to have to. Yeah, we to, agree you know. a lot. I know. We, we do. We agree I know. I hate to agree with you all the time, but I thought this team was great. When I let, when we left Texas A or Texas Tech, I'm sorry, and I was just like, man, I think this team's going to be great. But then I see, I, I watch, and I'm like, you know, I haven't seen a Calipari team get out rebounded like that, never. And I and I understand that the officials had a lot to do with that, but there's also a lot of will. And I don't know how you you don't force will, you don't force people to want to be strong. And, and Nick has no reason to get pushed around like that. And I'm not dogging Nick because I love Nick Richards. I think he's improved as much as any player that's ever been here. But sometimes you've got to just, you know, we talked earlier about who's the alpha dog. And I'm starting to fear that there isn't one. It's got to be Tyrese Maxey now. It's got to be. But he's got to learn how to run a team. He's He's got to. Yeah. He's, He's got a fast track. And, you know, we're we're so spoiled here. We've had John Wall, who ran the team from day one. We've had De'Aaron Fox, who pretty much ran the team from day one. And Ashton, I thought, was there, but I'm not so sure now because he's timing so many dumb turnovers. And I, I'm not trying to be negative, folks. I don't want to be negative because I am a Kentucky homer, as, as homer as you can be. <laughs> But they got to take a step back and look at themselves and say, you know what, I'm forcing the action too much, and that's exactly what Ashton Hayes has done. I'm trying to do too much on my own. I'm not trusting my teammates. And that's and that's not selfishness. That's just not self-awareness. You're right, Benny. And, and, I, and by the way, before I forget, happy birthday to Mrs. Benny today. And uh, – but – but, you know, how many times do we talk about forcing the action and, and, and still letting the game come to you? And it, it, it's a fact. And when you try to force the action and force things, you get in trouble. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It, it's a definite fact that's going to happen. And I think we're seeing Ashton do that. And maybe he feels like he's got to take take on more than, you know, what he's really capable of doing. And I think that's what we're seeing. And he's trying to do too much. And, I think we see that with a little, you know, some of the other guys as well. But, you know, Cal Perry, 
and everybody knows this. I mean, Cal Perry tried really hard to recruit some big guys to Kentucky, and then we got Nate Sustainer. So Cal missed on some big guys, and and it's showing now. And Cal knew he was going to need some help inside. So, you know, Cal Cal knows his team, and you know that's no knock against EJ or Nick, but you know he knew they needed some more help, and I think you're going to see more teams. And I think that's what Auburn did. They they locked down on Nick Richards, and I think we're going to see some more of that coming up. And Lee. Uh, we may lose followers, and they may even put us off the air after I say this, but I really don't care because it's in my heart. And I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts on it were. You don't even have to answer if you don't want to because it's a, it's a touchy subject. Because I said something on Twitter about Nate. And I had some nasty DMs and, and, and all kinds of things. And I'm just thinking, are we really not – are we really still in 2020? I mean, because you've seen the negative comments about EJ, and you've seen me take up for him. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, are we not past that in 2020 that, that Nate's the great white hope? I mean, really? I mean, it's, does it matter? I, mean, I don't understand. It does not register to me. I don't understand people's thoughts on that. And maybe I'm misreading it, but that's the way I took it, and it really pissed me off. Well, and I can understand that because I, I don't know what it's going to take to get past that. You know, we've got some really good friends, Benny Hardy and Terry Brown, and we've talked to them, and, and, and I follow them really closely and some of the things they talk about. And there, there's still issues out there, folks, you know, and it's just like even the quarterbacks. And I, I don't like to get into, you know, where we're saying black or white, I don't. I, I just don't see it that way either. And you know, I've never been that way. I mean, you have people that are prejudiced, prejudiced, and and, and I didn't mean to and, put you on the spot at no, all. No, you I, don't want to talk I, about. I don't it, mind. You don't have to. It's just how I, I, I felt yesterday, and I was so <laughs> mad, and I and I actually sat in there with my wife, and I actually, I actually almost cried about it because I just thought it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's I, mean, I, I don't want to be known for that. I'm a UK homer. I'm a UK fan. I've always loved UK, and I've always looked the other way on this stuff, and I've never thought it was real. But yesterday, I thought it was real, and it bothered me to to no end. I could not stand it. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's not just in Kentucky. And I, you know, I just I, I I keep it real. I mean, you know, we got a caller. Okay, good. I can get it up here. Hopefully. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass. You're on with uh, Benny and Lee. Hey, Benny and Lee. How are you? Hey, welcome to the show. Doing great. Hey, David Fisk. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Not too bad. It's a beautiful Good. day over here in Western I, Kentucky. I, I, saw your, uh, I saw your post on Twitter. And I said, well, man, I'm just going to give you guys a call. I'm not going to wait for an invite, man. I'm just going to call. <laughs> oh, well, I know who this is now. We would definitely have invited you, but I didn't want to bother that, that, that's, that's Terry Brown. That's, that's the 49ers no, that's man. that's not Terry Brown. That's David Smith. <laughs> oh, it no, is David? David? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, David. Well, no, I thought it was Terry. I couldn't tell. I, Terry must be a good guy, 
but I uh, no. He I is. Saw Eric's a really good guy. <laughs> we are I, too, I, David. I hey, it's good to hear from tweet. you. Yeah, I saw your tweet. I said, man, I'm going to jump on and talk a little Kentucky basketball. Yeah. Hey, so tell me what your thoughts on the on the toughness of this team. I don't think it was so much toughness as the officials took them plumb out of it. Let's be real about it. Well, I, I think it's it, you know it may be six and one half dozen or the other. I, I think there was a toughness issue a little bit from. I, I'm gonna say this: guys like Nick Richards and some of those. I, I watched him early on. I went back and looked at the replay a little bit. I thought just mentally, I thought he was kind of out of it. And uh, I, I'll give you an example. I, I just. I just saw some plays down there. You know, Talent Perry talked about, if you saw the press conference last night, he talked about seven possessions, he said, on rebounds. He said, where our guys never even jumped for the ball left their feet. And I went back and, and, and watched the game again last night and saw some of those. And uh, there was a couple where, where he just stepped out of the way on uh, Auburn's big boy down there. And uh, uh, I, I – I think you're going to have some games like that sometimes, but I, I'm wondering how much of it was just to carry over from Vanderbilt. I thought they played worse against Vanderbilt than they did yesterday, and it, it may have just carried over. I thought so as well. And one thing I wanted to ask you, you, me, everybody else that tries to be in the media or wants to be in the media that is in the media, talked about foul trouble with Nick, and we cannot have foul trouble with Nick. And I wonder how much of it was the way they were blowing the whistle. I'm just – and I may be wrong, but I'm just wondering how much of it is he's trying to stay out of foul trouble so he just steps to the side and lets things happen. Do you, do you think he got – you know, he got whistled in the Vanderbilt game. You know, he's over there early and Calipari said it after the Vanderbilt game. He said – the difference was he wasn't on the floor. Do you guys think he might have got shook a little bit and getting in foul trouble with Vanderbilt? It seemed to me like he may have because, you know, we, you know, you talk about it. Man. Guys, we're familiar with basketball, and I think probably all of us played it at some level or another. And, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than that because, you know, your your, your coaches are telling you, okay, you, you know, you, you get two fouls in the first half, automatically you're going to the bench, you know, depending on how much time's left in the half. But, Usually you're going to the bench no matter, but, you know, and then you're you're constantly hearing, okay, avoid foul trouble, avoid foul trouble, but at the same time you still got to be aggressive and be in the game and play. And, you know, I think a lot of it is when you get in the same situation where you were called a foul, and I, I, I agree with Benny there because we see a lot of that where the guys, instead of setting up to draw a charge, they let the guy go right by them and, and score at the basket. And because it's a 50-50 call there, and, you know, okay, what do I do? Well, you, we need you in the game, so do you take that foul? Do you take that chance and get, you know, one foul closer to that being out of the game, and or, or do you or do you let the guy go by for the two-point basket? And I think a lot of times that's what they're doing. They're sidestepping and letting them go because that's two points, okay? But, you know, it, it's very difficult when you feel like the officials are one-sided and calling you for the plays, and you're in the game and you're seeing the other team, and they're not necessarily blowing the whistle on the same type of incident for the other team. So I, I think but there's a difficulty there. It does affect these guys. There's no way it can. Did you guys see the Calipari press conference? Have you seen it yet? Yeah, we played it earlier, actually, because yeah, we were having yeah. technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, he said, 
I, I saw it. I, I usually get last night. And I've got a story actually come up later today where I do the film clips. And what I did, I went back and took, I said, I'm just interested to see what he said. And he brought up about six points that he felt swung the game. So I'm going to do some film clips later on that today. But anyway, I thought it was interesting. You know, he said two things that he said. Number one, um, he said that, uh, you know, Auburn, basically their style of play, they just drop their head and go to the rim and, and, and force the referees to call fouls. And I think that's pretty accurate. But, and, of course, he said we try yeah. to do the same thing and didn't get them. Exactly. That's the point I was going to make. He said yeah. we try to do yeah. the same thing without the same result. I think that was his shot at the officials. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not saying it was all officials because anytime you get doubled up rebounding, I mean, you're not in the game. But I wonder why we weren't in the game because I've seen this team on the road, and if they hadn't played the way that they played on the road all year, I wouldn't think anything about it. I really wouldn't. i just say they're not tough. But yeah, the SEC officiating is the worst in the country. Go ahead. I'll tell you something on the guards, too. Um, you know, another thing he said I thought he was interested, he said, you know, Maxie's not ready to run the team. And, you know, it, it, I really think that's more directed at uh, Ashton Hagen than it was Maxie. Yes, you know, it definitely was. Out there. But um, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going back and watching some of Hagen's turnovers, and, and I've been asked before why, and, and, and to me this would be the big question. Last year my big question was why does P.J. Washington get two fouls in the first three minutes of the game? That was my big question. <laughs> this, year, this year my question has been – why do they? Why do they get double-digit leads and blow them? And, you know, they've done that in several games. And I'd say I think it's because the guards are so aggressive. And, uh, exactly. Uh, I, I, I said that on Twitter last night. They're trying to steal instead of guard. And I'll tell you something on offense. If you go back and watch Maxie and Hagen, so many of their turnovers. They at least all the guards are active and they're really athletic and they're physical. And they're constantly trying to split these guys and drop, drop, these, drop these double teams and, and trying to make impossible plays. And uh, I, I think that was a big thing. I don't know that that's a lack of toughness on that part. I, I think sometimes the guards just try to make so many plays and, you know, instead of letting the game come to them. But you know, Let me, let me ask thing. you this. Do you think that's a part of – but aside from Nick, they don't trust their teammates sometimes, so they try to do it on their own. That's a good question. And I, I think yesterday it may have been a little bit of frustration. because and I, I'm going to say this. I think Auburn's guards are a lot more active probably than any guards that they played this year, and I think that was an issue. And they were hyped up yet, let's face it. I mean that was that was Auburn's Super Bowl yesterday. I mean they were you you, you know, oh, everybody yeah. we all know that. But I'll say this too. I think that might have been the case as the game went because in the second half, I, Kentucky's offense. This is what their offense has been this year. They spread the floor, and I think if they're patient and they move the ball side to side, they end up getting wing isolations where Hagen's quickly and uh, Maxie can drive the ball. Up on the wing. I think that's their off. And, and Nick will come up and set some high ball screens. And I think that's I think that's the crux of their offense when you get down to it. And now, well, yesterday, you can kind of see 
they're trying to penetrate, and Auburn's up in them, and they can't get by them. And when they do, it's really contested. So, yeah, I, I think they, uh, I think there was some harassment there that, uh, that 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 caused some issues to where there might not have been a trust factor. But like I say, they they do a lot more off the drive this year than some of the teams in the past. What blew my mind about the whole thing is it's the same that what beat us was the press, which doesn't make sense when we had two point guards at least on the floor the whole time, and they're trying to throw that thing the length of the court. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, Auburn definitely had a good game plan for us defensively, and they definitely watched film, and, and they had a good game plan, and they executed almost to perfection. I think there were two plays uh, that I know that I've got clips of that, that were big plays. Uh, you know, they right before the half, Sal Perry talked about the turnovers before the half. Well, Maxie throws one to Lincoln floor against the 2-2-1. And they intercept it, and then they get uh, a fast break down in the other end. Auburn turned off defensive offense. And uh, they end up drawing a foul on Montgomery uh, and get an and one right before the half, and, and then there was another one. You know, we talked about the press, but they jumped into a one three one, trapped out of it, and that's when Hagen picked up his fifth foul. Maxie had the ball and really had two turnovers on one play. He, he tried to throw the ball to Montgomery. He was being trapped almost uh, right on in the corner when he crossed the half line, and he tries to throw the ball. Montgomery comes up to try to set a ball screen, it looks like, and he tries to throw the ball over the top to Montgomery, if you'll remember, and the ball gets deflected. Well, he gets the deflection, and then he tries to split, and get, and uh, he ends up, the ball ends up getting knocked loose, and that's when Hagen picked up his fifth foul, you know, on, on the scramble for the loose ball. So, uh, yeah, that, that, it, it affected him, and it had some major impacts to the game. I mean, it led to, to Hagen fouling out. Yeah, and Hagen is one of the players that we have to have on the floor, too. And playing 25 minutes a game just isn't enough. And when we talk about players that need to be on the floor, I think, you know, the first two that come to my mind are Ashton Hagen's and Nick Richards. Yeah, you're right. They have to be. And, I, you know, like I said, I, I I think they have a bad week all the way around. I thought they played worse than Vanderbilt than did Auburn. And I think Calipari will, will have them right. I don't think they're going to play three bad games in a row. You know, the Mississippi State game is the one I've been watching. I think they're the most underrated team in the SEC. You know, we, they yep. talk about Perry inside. 100% agree. If you, any, if you look at any mock draft, Robert Woodard in, uh, in everybody's first round. And, you know, uh, yeah. they really – they really Howard does a great job of recruiting down there. I mean, they've got yeah. – they've got rivals, top 150 guys all through the lineup. And uh, that was the kind of – you know, how a big team – that was one I was kind of concerned about, but I think this will get their attention. So I, I think if you go back and look, obviously you're Kentucky. You're not playing to be second or third in the FEC, you know, but you're 6-2 and two right now. I think they've got a chance to go on a four-game run. I, you know, after this one, they got Tennessee. I live in Tennessee, and it about drove me crazy last year, but I can't find a Tennessee basketball fan anywhere right now. And uh, so, <laughs> I, 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 hey, I'm uh, hey, you think I'm kidding? At our high school game Friday night, two guys come up to me and 
uh, they like they're they're a huge Tennessee fan. Football, basketball, and David. You yeah. went you went around last year, so I had a Tennessee fan that he called into the show. He gave us hell, and we made a bet. <laughs> I made a bet with him that Kentucky would go farther in the NCAA tournament, yeah. and he deleted his account after he lost that. After he lost that bet, we deleted his account. We we think he left the country. I mean, this guy disappeared now. Hey, that, so I have two guys come up to me Friday night. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm buddies with them. They're the good as they can be. So they like one comes up and just like slaps me on the back of the neck, whatever. And I'm like, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. So I'm saying, hey, man, how about the, how about the big orange? And uh, They're like, uh, we, we don't follow the basketball team anymore. So that's kind of where so let's football's getting better, you know. So anyway, so they uh so so they uh you know, they go there next Saturday. I think they got a chance to win four in a row here before they go to LSU. So, you know, if you would have said, Okay, you've got Arkansas, Texas Tech and Auburn three straight Saturdays, would you take two and one? Uh, I think everybody except the really, really hardcore ones would have probably said yeah, so I I picked them to go 15 and 3. And I hope that holds true, but I'm starting to worry. Well, that's that's tough with three already, you know. Yeah, and well, I I, I saw them. I I tell you what, I watched the the other one, obviously, they got to go to LSU. Florida, to me, is the other one that really stands out on the schedule. But I'm going to tell you something. I watched, I had to work, I would do some work for the Vanderbilt side on Rivals too. And I had to work, I did it from home television, the uh, Florida Vanderbilt game, and, 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 and had to do some stuff on it. And I can see why Florida was 12 and 8 going into that game. I mean, they're, uh, they have no idea. They're going to guard pretty decently, but they have zero identity offensively. And, you know, this well, is going to be a final. I was going to tell you. I was going to ask you because I think you're one of the most informative coaches on Twitter, and I really appreciate that. I think they're horribly coached. I I mean, I just think he's not nearly as good as people make him out to be. And I think Tom Crean's the other one. I'm going to say this. Like I said, offensively, you know, they had troubles. If you watched them last year, they have, and look, I know they've got a lot of big name guys. They brought in Blackshear and they brought in Scotty Lewis. You know, Scotty Lewis is, is he doesn't look comfortable to me. He looks like a freshman. And uh, um, when I, I watched them last night, you know, they're, I think they're like 180th or something like that in three point shooting, and over half their shots were threes. And I mean, if you look at Calipari early on, what did he do? They were having trouble shooting the three. What did he do? They might, they might shoot 10, 12 threes a game. And I think in the first half, like, 16 of Florida's first 29 shots were three-pointers. And Black Shoe shot four or five. He's hanging out. He's 250 pounds hanging out three-point line the whole game. And, uh, like I said, I I think they have had a very difficult time finding offensive identity. I I think Kentucky can go down there and beat them. I really do. And and you said a couple things there, David, that interests me. And and one, just being – you know, Scotty Lewis and being comfortable. And I don't, you know, and I think this goes back to coaching too. And, and to me, what John Calipari does, and, and you know, these these five-star recruits, 
and these rivals top 150 players that go to other schools. I, I still just don't think there's a, a coach that does a better job at getting them to the next level than Calipari because how many do you see actually come in and, and end up, you know, they end up staying around another year or two just because the coach doesn't use them properly and find their game and, you know, and build the game around them somewhat, you know, and gives them freedom to play and show show their talent. You know, I think Calipari does that good. Uh, the other thing I, I think it's bring up too, oh, go ahead. No, just on, on the on the what seems like a slump this week. How how much do you think the Khalil Whitney uh, announcement affected the Cats? I, I think that might have something to do with it. Or and and what do you think? Do you think it could be just some of the fatigue of the SEC? Because I mean, here we are, this part of the season. I mean, we're 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 halfway through, and and uh, do you think that has anything to do with it? I will say this on, on the first part about how good a job he does with some of these guys. Um, I remember uh, back when Blackshear's deal was going strong in the spring when he was going to transfer and there was Tennessee and there was Kentucky and there was uh, um, Florida and all that. I, I've got a really good friend in, in the Orlando area that works for Rivals. And, you know, he told me that the big issue – was that uh, he wanted to go to a place where they just weren't going to pigeonhole him down on the block. And I don't think John Calipari is going to – the thing I like about him, and I think it helps guys, I think he brings the game along, but I think he'll give them some leeway early in the year. But I think as he goes, he says, okay, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. You're going to play your strength. And – uh, I, I don't think he tries to put them outside of the game. And for whatever reason, it's, it, you know, Blackshear wants to show that, hey, I can step out. And I understand it. In today's NBA game, in today's game, if you're big, you better be able to play on the floor. Well, he can't do that offensively, but that don't stop him shooting five or six of them a game. And, yeah, well, you know, you know just, to your point there, I think he's having the same struggle right now, and, I, and I'm not saying it with E.J. McGuffin. And I'm not saying EJ can't do it, but I think he wants EJ to be a little tougher on the block. Yeah, I tell you what, EJ, and I don't know because I'm not around it every day. I think EJ is one of those deals where the coaches are really the ones that know on this because they're around them more than everybody else. They're in practice, they're in the film room, they're in one on ones. They know, but I've always thought EJ just gets in such a hurry. Uh, you know, how many point blank one on one shots right around the rim have you seen him miss? Uh, where it's just like, how's he miss that layup? How's he miss that? Piece I've of seen it too this year that I can remember, and I don't get it because I, I I watch him make that move and he throws that little jump hook and it's a perfect move, but like you said, he's rushing the shot, and, and you know he can make it. The next time he does it, I want you to watch how quick what his reaction is when he misses it how quickly he runs away from the goal or, or or whatever. It's like he doesn't follow the shot. It's like he's going a million miles an hour. You just like slow down. Now, I've seen kids, and I've coached them, and, and they're just they're nervous. And they're uptight, and you try to treat them in kid gloves. You try to be hard on them. You try to do different things. And this may not be the case of him, but sometimes how I do you think uh, How do you fix that? Because when yeah, I played, I'll I, be honest with you, big crowds, I'd get a little nervous. 
I understand, I know back in my day, I I would like and and it was difficult because I would I count my nuts. I said, okay, I missed that shot. I'm I'm, I'm two for three, or I made this shot. I'm 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 one for two, and you, you know, and that that takes a lot of that just takes a lot of work. But I, I know from coaching, you know, when I coached high school girls, I had a football coach come to me one day, and he mentioned a, a player that I had on my team, and he said, coach, he said. You need an assistant coach for her, but you'd be a psychiatrist. So, uh, and and sometimes, sometimes, and I'm not saying that with him, but it, it, it sometimes, man, it's just between the ears, and it, it is it is hard to get out. Like you say, how do how do you do it? And I I don't think I don't know that there's an easy answer for it. When I what you're talking about too, the DJ, and what we always called it was kind of the the hot potato syndrome and you know where they get that ball in their hands and they feel like they've just got to do something quick with it either get rid of it pass it or, or shoot it and I think that's what we see with EJ a little bit and you know something it's with the ball I love him on defense I love I, him oh God. Yeah. if people don't I, appreciate you know, him enough on defense I get so frustrated I watch a lot of basketball on the weekends because I I do some Minnesota, I do some Vanderbilt, I watch Big Ten, I watch uh, SEC, and I watch teams. I mean, I watch these teams, Michigan State and and uh, Purdue and and all these teams. The Big Ten are supposed to be really good, and these SEC teams. I'm gonna tell you what Kentucky does better than anybody, and they're the best team in the country at it, and that is defensively. They can switch a big onto a little, and they're not mismatched. And their length exactly. is probably can guard guards. Nick Richards can guard guards, and they impact the game doing that. And uh, and uh, I'm telling you, EJ stayed two games last year on the road where he had last second possessions, he blocked shots. And uh, you know, I thought they were better defensively with Nick and EJ on the floor last year than they were with, with uh, P.J. Washington and Travis. Now, they weren't offensively, but I thought they were better defensively. Yeah. And you uh, see that this year, man. I 100% and, and agree. I, think, I, I have preached that, and people have called me an idiot for saying EJ's the best defensive four we have. And that's the God's honest truth. They've called me an absolute <laughs> idiot. And, and I'm just <laughs> telling you, when Nate, Nate played 18 minutes, and I love Nate, and we were talking about this earlier, and I don't even want to get into that part of it, but we were talking about this earlier. People were mad because I said, what does Nate give us? And I, honestly, I think a great warm-up shooter sometimes, and I'm not trying to be mean, and sometimes he comes in and he makes a shot, don't get me wrong. But defensively, he played he a, had, yes, 18 minutes, he, he was minus 21. Hey, he was wide open. Every three he had. I mean, he was just wide open. And, and you say, okay, man, this is a big shot. And he doesn't hit him. And I'm sitting there thinking, hey, in a game like this, where, where it's way too quick for him, it's too athletic, and he can't knock down open three pointers, what's he doing? And, and you can see. No reason. Team, no. Hey, in my opinion, I love Coach Cal. I love Coach Cal, but he shouldn't have been in the game yesterday. That's my opinion. Hey, it, it, it was it was just to buy some time for Nick and EJ. I mean, honestly, that's what it was. It was well, some time to buy, buy some time for them in touch. And I tell you what, you Leon Brooks to me played a heck of a game. Yeah, you go back to the Evansville game early on in the year, 
And you remember Evansville, and you saw teams do it early. They just spread them out, five out, whoever they get next on the guard, whoever he was, they just cleared the thing out and went at him. And you can see Auburn doing the same thing. And I agree with yep. Keon. I think the thing, especially in a game like that, Keon gives you the defensive versatility. Where he guards the perimeter. He'll slide down and guard that forward, too. Yeah, and, yes, and, and he's not afraid to get in there and mix it up. And, you, you know, oh, you, no. you had to bring up Ev- you had to bring up Evansville, David. But, look, and what people I think are <laughs> failing to see with this, with this Kentucky team, okay, other than the Evansville and Utah game, uh, but you can throw them in there. But those two just should have never happened. And I still – nobody will change my mind on that. Those games should have won. We should have won those games. But – Every well, even in that last ten minutes of that Utah game, they yeah. come up, they play, yeah. play good ball, but it's yeah. it's like the last part of the first half yesterday beat us. Yeah. That's the truth. You know, the Auburn yeah. game doesn't make me sick. The Auburn game doesn't make me sick. That was tough, you know. But the, yeah. the Evansville game and the Utah game, when you look at Ken Palm and you see why the rank's so low and you see why, you know, they're – they're probably going to be some, I don't know, probably 18 or 19 this week when the rankings come out. The, the, you can't afford Utah losses and Evansville losses. You just can't, you know, in, in the metrics now with this net and everything, you know, you, you can't play. The net's a joke. Yeah. But the thing about it is the Evansville game bothered me a lot worse because if I'm remembering correctly, the Utah game, they just went off in three. I mean, they made everything. But, you yeah. know, they did but, but, emotions the first half. That's the thing that's worried me. I think they did it against Vanderbilt. I think if they been playing any other team in the SEC tonight outside of Vanderbilt, they'd have gotten beat. And that's the first they time I've beat. seen it since. That's the first time I've seen it since the Utah game. That Utah game, if you watch them defend, Utah just went wherever they wanted to go. They chased them around. They were a second wave. They were a lackluster. And they did that some, but after that Utah game, I was really getting enthused. I said because they've not done that since. Uh, I, I think the Auburn. I think the Auburn game was a heavyweight battle, man. But I think Vanderbilt went back to uh, kind of the Utah Evansville. Well, yeah. Vanderbilt game is kind of like they need somebody like Quickly or Hagen's one to hold them accountable because it seems like they played so well at Texas Tech and they're feeling themselves again. That's what I. That's how I take it. And then they just think they're going to go through the motions. You're between, you're between Texas Tech yeah. and Auburn that you're saying that you that letdown game. Yeah, I do. I but really you know, do. Guys, but we're lucky to win that game. Of, yeah. The, the point I was making is I think a lot of people are missing is that, and I think part of it is because Kentucky's playing their competition too much. And, and because, well, and I know, I know we're all seeing this, but there are times that you can watch Kentucky and it just looks like, you know, they could run away with a game anytime they want, but they just can't figure out how to do it, and they let the teams back in the game. And I think they're playing too much of the competition. But the positive side of this, and I think a lot of people are missing, is nobody's blowing Kentucky out. Nobody's just absolutely That's flat good. out dominating this Kentucky team. And we all know that we're not playing to our potential. So, I see I, that, that's the positive I'm hanging on to right now with Kentucky because I think we know that there's that potential's there. And, and, but you know, got to figure out how to tap into it. I, I got a question. I got a question. Let me ask you two guys this. I wouldn't ask this to guys and teenagers or guys in early 20s. You guys have, have followed them for a long, long time. And you've seen a lot of these teams. I've got a buddy of mine down here 
who's an old high school coach. He's retired. He's up in his 60s, and he's, he's watched it for 50 years. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's, he can go back to the, the early 70s, late 60s, if he's basketball basketball just reeling off. And after that game, uh, Wednesday night, I told him, I said, well, you had to be enthused for that game. You know, Titus Vanderbilt played on him. He said, look, he said, I've seen 40 Kentucky teams better than this team this year. And I know that's maybe the only time he's seen them because Kentucky played bad. But uh, do you agree with that? Do you, do you think, oh, as you look back over the years, this is one of – is it a chance? Has the team got the chance to be one of the better ones or not one of the better ones? What do you guys think? I'm going to tell you, I'm almost as old as he is. So I'm going to tell you, I agree. I think there's 40 teams better than this team. Yeah, but I think there's also 40 teams better than any team in college basketball right now. Right. Now, what he was talking about, he said he's seen 40 Kentucky teams in the past, not 40 teams yeah. this year. He's seen 40 Kentucky teams since late right. to the betterness. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's yeah. been 40 Kentucky teams better than any team yeah. in the country right now. That's yeah, I, I agree so with I that. I think it's better for the taking, but you're going to have to you're going to have to cut out some mistakes. And, and Ashton Higgins is number one on that list, and not because he's making the most mistakes, because he's got the ball in his hands all the time, and he's the guy that's got to run the offense. Because as Calipari noted himself, Tyrese Maxey's not ready for that, and and, and yeah. Emmanuel quickly is not quick enough to do it. Which one, which one I'm is gonna, your favorite team? I, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know if I can pick the best team, but I can tell you right now the the uh, the Unforgettables. Your favorite. Your favorite. I think I, I think if you put the Unforgettables uh, on the floor with this team this year, the Unforgettables would run away with it. They would absolutely wear these guys out. Mine, mine I'd have to go back. I'd go back, and I was, I was in middle school, but I'd go back to – uh, Bruce Gibbons and Rick Roby and Kyle Macy, Mike Phillips, 78, you know, that budget. Yeah. That, that budget. And for what, I, I guess just at that time, living in Tennessee, so I grew up just outside of Knoxville. So boy, I really loved it. Uh, you know, and they're coming right yeah. off uh, Ernie and Bernie and all that stuff. And I, man, yeah. I still remember Ernie and Bernie show. And, 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 yeah. Man, but I'm going to tell you, Goose and Roby, and, I mean, I, I guess the first Kentucky player I ever remember was Kevin Greedy. So, you know, being being young and whatever, that's one of the first teams that really sticks in my mind. But, boy, I, I just love that team. Kevin Green. And, guys, we got a caller. Team. I think he has a question. Let's just see who it is and see what the question is. You guys can answer it. Hey, thank you for taking my Welcome call. How are Kentucky you? Welcome to Kentucky Basketball. Good. How are you? Welcome to Kentucky Basketball across the Bluegrass Betty and League. David Fitz yeah, tonight. <laughs> Hi, I just found your program uh, randomly on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, I'm a basketball fan, but I wasn't sure. Do you take all basketball topics, or is it only Kentucky college basketball topics? We'll no, take we any take college all topics. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll try our can best. You... Let's put it that way. Oh, okay, no problem. Thank you. Can I give you an NBA topic? Sure. sure. Okay. I'm a big NBA fan, and I consider myself an NBA expert. I know the NBA very well. I have learned over the years – I actually have a very popular page on YouTube, and I've learned over the years or whatever time frame, months, years, that Michael Jordan fans 
are truly the worst NBA fans. And I don't think Michael Jordan is number one. Who do you think is number wow. one? There's probably no such thing, but if you're going to rank someone as number one, you have to go by statistics and records. And if you go by statistics and records, there's just no doubt it's Will Chamberlain. Or if you want an all-around player who can lead the way and be a team player, Magic Johnson. I know Wilt was an all-around player, but, you know, it just depends on your system. Um, but I don't think Michael Jordan is number one, and I'm probably going to surprise you guys with something here. I'm going to shock you guys probably. Not only do I not think Jordan is number one, I don't think he's top three, top six, or top 11. And, I th- again, I think his fans are the worst NBA fans. Well, and you're going to make a lot well, of must, people mad. I must be the worst because I think Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, 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 I see not, your point. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you that the, the thing that, that you're going by there, you know, statistics, there is a lot to that. And, and we and, and to tie this into Kentucky basketball or even basketball, college basketball is, you know, it, the winning is college basketball coach. And, you know, Kentucky had a mandatory retirement age for Adolph Rupp, so he had to retire at age 70. So that that cut him short, you know, what he could have done. How long would he have coached? We don't know. And to me, I'm going to tell you, one of, one of my favorite all-time players that played, didn't play a real long career but was Oscar Robertson. Where does he rate in the best all-time players? That's because right. I'll tell you what, that and, guy, that guy yeah. was amazing. That, by the way, when I, if I rank players, I don't really rank players, but if I do, I like all-around players, players who do everything. And there's no doubt Jordan did a lot of things, but there are other players who are more well-rounded. So, for example, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, Pete Maravich, John Stockton. These guys do a lot more than Jordan. Oh, but yeah. the, media, the media has the, – the media... We lost I think they get hung, I think they get hung up on how many points a guy scores a game, and I think sometimes we lose that. And you know, so uh, um, I want to hear what they said. John, John, John Stockton might get your airtime cut uh, because I was a I was a jazz fan back in those days. Jerry Sloan, I love Jerry Sloan. That was my guy. And uh, but anyway, he. Uh, I just knew it, you know, when the Jazz played the Bulls and back in the late 90s. I just knew in those games the Bulls were going to find some way to win it because of Michael. I'd have to go with him. But I understand people's opinion that say he's not, that like this guy or that guy. I, I've got one of the guys that I probably learned as much from as anybody in basketball. He told me he thinks Oscar Robertson's the best ever. But one Where do y'all put Kobe? I'm just curious since everybody, you know, it's been a big news. Where do y'all put Kobe? I got Kobe top. I tell you what, it's awful, but I've changed my opinion since since what happened happened. I've got Kobe second. I go, I go, man. You're gonna make me do this. Uh, I go, Michael. Golly, LeBron's in there. My second guy would be Kareem. Uh, man. I didn't that, see Kareem in his prime. I'm 40, I think he, 43 I, years old. I didn't see I, Kareem I, in his I, prime, I, so I really I can't I think you got to have Bill Russell in there. I mean, I think you got to have corn, uh, Cornbread Maxwell. I mean, 
Think about those hey, uh, and Larry Bird. Where's Larry Bird in there? I mean, hey, let me, Larry I, Bird's up there. You know why? Do you know why you can't cross when you shoot the foul shot? You can't cross the foul line until the ball hits the rim. Do you know why? Because Kareem went and got it and dunked it. <laughs> there he is dunking. Bill Chamberlain, George Raveling told me, George Raveling said he saw him do this in person when he was at Kansas. Wilt would get at the half line, take off running, and dunk foul shots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he said, he said, Wilt, he said the, the record book was, I mean, the rule book, rather, was just rewritten because of Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, dunking foul wow. shots. The reason you can't throw inbounds pass over the backboard because they would do it. Nobody could defend it. And he'd just go up one on five and just alley. Uh, you know, the dunk rules, you couldn't dunk for a long time. Kareem had right. a big impact on that one. So, I mean, if you put those guys now, I mean, how good would they be? And I think that's the same, too. If you watch, go back and watch it from a long time ago, and you watch, and I've had this discussion a lot with guys. You watch a Bob Cousy or somebody like that, and you watch a game from the 60s, and, and, and you're like, man, there's no way these guys could play with these guys today. But it was just a different game. They didn't have the nutrition. They didn't have the weight. So, you know, I, I'm i still, yeah, I'm going to go Michael. But, you know, I understand it, it, it's tough because you're talking about, I mean, the, the, you take all these different ages, man. It's tough to compare them. Yeah, yeah I, you know, and I like, I consider myself an expert, too, like that guy, but it's probably wrong, just like he was. But I'm just saying, Michael's the best I've ever seen. And honestly, if i got to be honest, LeBron's the second best I've ever seen. And I took I took Kobe in that top five because I think Kobe just worked so hard. That he, I mean, I didn't, there's a lot of things I didn't know about Kobe. I watched Kobe, but I was, I was always – I always kind of didn't like Kobe so much because he was compared to Jordan because Jordan was my man but then I got over that later in life and I appreciate See, I what Kobe did I don't like the Lakers but, but right. I, I grew up a Celtics guy I grew up a Larry Bird guy so I understand all that but I'm going to tell you what another guy too and I would say I'm not for sure Kevin Durant's not the best offensive player I've ever seen 6'11 he's one of them man because he's hurt 6'11", do what he does. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Well, where where would you put Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and even Dr. J, Julius Irving? I mean, to me, I think Dr. J's up there. The other two, I would put top 25, maybe. I just have to really sit down and think about it. But Dr. J's up there. Yeah, I mean, you have to make out a list. And there's just – you have to make out a list and you start seeing how many great players have played the game. I mean, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what, and I remember well when I was a kid, now this is going to be heresy, speaking of Kentucky fans, but watching Bernard King growing up, if Bernard King oh, had man. never gotten those bum knees, <laughs> you know, he scored, if you watch those old films, well, he scored 53 on the Pistons in the playoff, well, he did it on one leg. He could, it, it was yeah. like he went to a veterinarian, he went to a veterinarian and had knee surgery. I mean, and, yeah. and, I mean he's, <laughs> he's up and down the court on one leg, he barely, and, and he shoots that fadeaway jumper in the lane. I mean, his back's parallel to the floor when he gets go of it. And he's six, six, yeah. six, seven in the lane. The seven footers can't touch it. I mean, just I mean, no. he was, man, if he could have stayed healthy, so you've got you know you got all kinds of players that you could name that that that, that people nowadays they don't even know who they are. No, right, we tried to name Kentucky players. players. 
here one time. Me and Lee, we tried to go through the best Kentucky players, and we were arguing about it, and, and we figured out that it's just too hard to do. You know, one of the NBA guys we forget is Alex English. Alex English, remember him? Yeah, Anthony Davis was was both of our number ones. But when we got yeah. past that, yeah. it's hard to decide. Because it's got to be Dan Issel. Yeah. Dan Issel was before my time, but I'm going to tell you what. The biggest force I ever saw in a Kentucky uniform that was just unstoppable and it didn't matter who they were playing against. Nobody could do anything with him with Jamal Mashburn. Mashburn, yes. uh, that, yeah, exactly. He Mashburn, was, he was he in that top three. Wow. He was a dominating college player. The impact of college. Now, I'm not talking about how that went to the pro game. Right? I'm just talking about in a college game, he took over a college basketball game as much as any player I've ever seen wearing any. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think Pete Maravich was one of those guys. You know, he was a better college player than he was a pro player. And, you know, you had to put him there, too, because Pete Maravich, they couldn't stop him either. It, but you're right about Mashburn. Mashburn, to me, was every time they needed a big basket, I mean, whether it be a three, he could drop there and, and knock a three down like nobody's business. But inside, they could not stop him at all. Mashburn saved Kentucky. Uh, he's my favorite player of all time, Kentucky. He saved them. I really believe that because the Unforgettables, as good as they were, they were not anything without Master. No. And I'm not trying to be mean. That's just a fact. Uh, they were good and, and they had heart, but they had a superstar to throw the ball to. <laughs> yeah. Boy, he was phenomenal good, down in there. Good team chemistry. Good team chemistry of that group. Yep. You know, you, uh, I, I'll tell you a funny story. You know, we were talking about Bernard King. The same guy who told me that uh, who, who said that Oscar Robertson was the best ever ever played? He was a he was a big Tennessee fan. He worked for the governor, and uh, he was at Rupp the night that Kentucky, that Tennessee played Kentucky up there. Bernard King, I think, had forty two points. And anyway, he says you're waiting around down outside the locker room, and a buddy of his comes up to him and stand outside the locker room waiting on the players to come out. And the girls there with him is this guy's daughter, and she's the reigning Miss Tennessee. So, anyway, he said Bernard comes out of the locker room, and uh, he introduces him. So, this is, he tells his name, the other guy's name. and said, this is his daughter, so-and-so. So, she's Miss Tennessee. He said Bernard goes over and puts his arm around her and says, well, honey, tonight I'm Mr. Tennessee. And, David, wow. we really appreciate you joining us, but we're running out of time. <laughs> it's been fun. I appreciate it. And, and look, guys, you and Travis, two of my favorite people. I love your all show with Jack Pilgrim. I listen to it every week. Can't wait for it to come out. It's probably my favorite show other than this one, of course. <laughs> but I'm just kidding about that. But, but we really appreciate like you guys. And the only reason we didn't ask you back is we don't. We don't like to bother people, but you're welcome anytime. You and Travis, both, we love both of you guys. I just, I, I just saw it on Twitter where you tweeted it out, and I said, hey, man, it beats uh, – it beats uh, – it, it, down here where I'm at right now, it's 66, 67 degrees right now. You wouldn't even believe the weeds I've got growing up in the flower beds right now. So I'm, I'm trying to put it off doing that. So that saved me a little bit, but I, 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 that's what I'm going to have to get to work on here. Hey, but let me, I let appreciate me you for calling in. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. One, one thing before we get that here. So, you know, Oscar Robertson, I think there's only two two players in NBA history that averaged a triple-double for the season. One of those was Oscar Robertson. And can you name the other one? Russell Russell. No, I don't think Bill, it was Russell. It's Bill different. Russell did? Oh, okay. Okay. I knew Russell was Russell. I don't know yeah, if it's Bill Russell. I'm guessing. Uh, it, it was I a figured block. It's a recent player. Oh, I'll recent let you guys play. think about that. Yep, I'll let you think, think about it. We'll talk Westbrook. about it next week. I think it's Russell Westbrook. It is. You got yes, it. it. Is. Westbrook is the guy. It definitely yep. is. It's Russell Westbrook. Yep. There you go. So that that says a lot right I'd, there. I'd rather have hey, a Hey, Dan Bucker should have been an all-star. I don't care. Even yeah. over Russell this year. <laughs> I agree. Yep. I agree. I think there's going to be several young guys that can take the alumni. Make the all-star teams here. Tyler Hero and PJ. Tyler Hero has been great. He's made it by him. Oh, man. Man. Well, guys, thanks he for has, being man. on today. It, it's been a great day. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. They uh, call back anytime. Across the bluegrass, we're going to send David out to get his flower beds cleaned up. And I know Benny's got to take Mrs. Benny out for her birthday. So, you guys have a great weekend. Yep, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week.